Hey, Bears fans, it's out in the field with little piles of bear scat once again. Uh, Thomas? I'm Jim. And uh, we're back again to gripe about the Bears, so you don't have to. Uh, we're going to have a special guest uh, today, and we'll get to him in just a minute. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, uh, before we do that, just as, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Um, hope everybody enjoyed the bye week. It's always good when you have a week without Bears football. Um, we didn't lose! Here we are again after it went by way too fast. We're staring down the barrel of another Bears game. So <laughs> we're going to get into that on the podcast. But like you mentioned, uh, we have a special guest joining us today. So Tom, I'll let you go ahead and introduce uh, Chris here. Yeah, so uh, Chris, uh, for um, all you old school listeners out there, uh, he used to come to the bar. He used to live in Minnesota, but he... Decided that he didn't like the winter anymore and moved to sunny Arizona. So um, he's uh, visiting with us and he's going to help us gripe today. Go ahead, Chris. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, just really excited to be here. Uh, you know, um, just thrilled to be on the scat. Uh, <laughs> long time, long time Bears fan. Uh, do you call yourself a recovering Bears fan? I, I'm not quite sure how to, <laughs> how to express it sometimes. There's no recovery to be had. There's no recovery. To <laughs> it's be def- had. it's definitely long term. So, uh, one of the things that um, we wanted to uh, talk about today is, I think most Bears fans, you guys would agree, in general, are really watching the team now just to watch number one. Um, he's the most exciting part of the team. Uh, he's what uh, generates uh, the most interest. You know, I, I couldn't even buy his jersey when I went up to Chicago earlier this year and I went to the NFL Pro Shop next to Soldier Field. They they're, they were completely sold out. But, um, you know, each game I feel like we're, we're seeing some more growth. And when I remember that this is, what, his seventh game, um, th- that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and I mean... To your point, right? I mean, that's really the only thing that there is to focus on going into the second half of the season. I mean, the Bears are three and six. We've got the Ravens this week. They've got the Packers in two weeks. So more than likely, we're <laughs> gonna be completely done with any hopes of making the playoffs by the time those that stretch of games is over. But like you said, it, it's kind of a weird situation because I really don't care that much that the Bears have no hope of making the playoffs this year. It's really just been fun watching Justin Fields develop, and I'm excited to see him coming out of the bye. I hope that they put the time off to good use, and we'll see against the Ravens, who've had a bit of a shaky defense. Yeah, what do you think, Chris? Well, I think that's, you know, I think it's kind of funny because, you know, I I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm always someone who, when the schedule comes out, kind of try to you maybe don't do the quarters that Nagy does you know but you look at it and just remember thinking "Ooh, Rams wow okay then Buccaneers and and things in Cleveland and think wow the the first first half of the season sets up really bad so we probably won't see fields for (laughs) (laughs) right right this is kind of about where I think people were expecting somewhere between the 49ers and Ravens game, I, I think, was where everyone was expecting. And you think, oh, latter part of the season doesn't look that bad, but now it does. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the optimist that we've had to be for, for many years it, you know, is finally there that really it's, it's to see what Fields 
can do, you know, now that we see him getting more comfortable, we start to see the offense slightly, obviously, we, we know the way that uh, Nagy doesn't necessarily tailor his offense to uh, the skills of the player, but we start to see how, you know, fields-focused offense could look. Right. And seeing that it looks like the game's slowing down a bit for him. Definitely. Really all you want to see for the rest of the year, you know, maybe a Tevin Jenkins sighting would be icing <laughs> on the cake there, but I think that's really where, where everyone's at, that season that I think we all kind of came into knowing whether it was Dalton or even before that was going to be kind of that lost season, at least has some hope that you're going to see some mile markers for, from fields. And just the fact that he's really showed, I think, during the Steelers game that kid, whatever it is, he's got it. He's got that unflappability where you hear them talk about what makes the great ones is there's that belief that it doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. I believe we still got a chance to win it as long as I have the ball in my hands. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, a good point bringing up uh, the Tevin Jenkins uh, sighting before uh, before the game. He's out on the field there. Um, you know, obviously that that's promising. Uh, I definitely Jim and I were both uh, looking at uh, that as why even bother bringing him back when it was at the beginning of the season. Um, it certainly would be nice if he comes back uh, pretty soon because he could get in some legit playing time and we could get an idea of what he is going to look like. Uh, also, I, I definitely am one of the people that I'm really excited to see uh, how it shakes out as far as what position. Um, you know, more and more it's looking like Borum is going to be the left side guy and and Jenkins is going to, you know, probably play out at right tackle. Also, as you know, as soon as Tevin Jenkins started missing practice with that mysterious back injury, <laughs> I texted Tom and said, I am willing to bet that he doesn't play one snap of football this year. That probably happened in like the second or third day of training camp. So to hear that he's been cleared to practice and that they've, at least brought him back from IR. So if you're on IR the way in the NFL right now, the team is allowed to designate you as practicing with an ability to return. So basically what that means is if you're on IR, you have to miss three games. And then once you're activated, you have three weeks to practice with the team before they have to decide whether or not they're actually going to activate you to play in the games. So earlier this week, the Bears designated Jenkins uh, as that status, so he at least has the ability to practice with the team. Now, how he looks and how he feels physically after he goes through those practices is going to determine whether or not he's actually able to return and play uh, you know, for the Bears in the last few games of the season. And you really hope he does, because to your point, I mean, it's really a situation where the Bears have to start figuring out what their team is going to look like going forward into next year and Tevin Jenkins was a second round pick so you would assume that they project him to be a big part of the core going forward and yeah I mean it's a question of now what position is he going to play so you'd like to see him be able to get out there and get some game reps 
this season, even if it is in you know the last few games of the year, that might be meaningless. It'll be good to see him get some reps under his belt. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was gonna say just that you 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 don't want to rush him. You don't want to rush him just you know because. But yeah, you want to see him play because the part that scares me the most about rushing him is, and maybe other teams have this too. It's not unique to the Bears, but it always feels like these injuries that are okay. He's gonna sit out of practice for a day. He's got a mild sprain. He's got something else. Then all of a sudden you don't hear, and then it comes, and then all of a sudden he's on the IR for (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Well, and, I mean, with a back injury in particular, too, a back injury in an offensive lineman is certainly scary. Like, that's one of those things that can become chronic. Like, if you remember back to Chris Williams, it was kind of the same situation where he showed up to training camp and all of a sudden he was on the injury report with a back injury and then it just seemed like his career never really recovered from that. And so, (laughs) unless you're 100% sure that Jenkins is ready to go this year, then I I hope that they show some discretion and let him sit out the year if that's what needs to happen so that he can come back next year 100% ready to go because you'd hate to see him re-aggravate this this back injury or even worse, hurt something else on his body that requires another surgery in the offseason. Like, if the kid's ready to go, great. I'd love to see him, but don't rush him back, especially this year. Yeah, and you know that was that was one of the things that we were talking about, and that's why it seemed like it was kind of a ridiculous idea to uh, take a tackle and uh, have him have uh, back surgery and then try and bring him back. To me, that that screams redshirt year. But um, now we're at this point. Uh, I think yes, if they can get him on the field, uh, even a limited manner, it's not like the team is fighting for anything. As far as I'm concerned. The whole focus of the team is fields and nothing more. To your point, Jim, uh, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, Chris, what we need to see from the offensive line more than anything is who our core is. Go, Chris. Yep, exactly. Who the core is and ideally get some kind of continuity. (laughs) I think uh, Continuity? What's that? Where you said, oh, yeah, you know, we draft up. Whitehair, who's uh, a beast of a <laughs> guard. Uh, I actually like one of one of the guys who used to live by me. Actually, played for the Cardinals for a bit. Was a lineman and go. Oh, you're a Bears fan? That guy was a beast in the combine. We were looking <laughs> at him all going, "Wow, this guy is insane." And then, okay, because of bad drafting, okay, we got to make him center. <laughs> and then we we grab probably the best center in the draft. The one year. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's make him a guard. He doesn't know how to call out offense, you know, or call out signals. It's like, what the, you know, so I'm like, I don't, I don't care if Jenkins is right. I don't care if he's left. I don't care where Borum plays. You know, at least start to develop some of that consistency too. And then the other thing, whether it's left or right tackle, I also think, and, and, you know, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on it. That I think with the way that they move edge rushers around in scheme defenses, that the left tackle versus right tackle, the importance and the skill set and all that is kind of becoming more uh, a thing of the past. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, it, it definitely uh, LOT doesn't carry the same weight um, that it 
that it once did because uh, as as you were just saying, you know, they're they're moving around their number one guy, uh, and <laughs> we saw more than a little bit of that this year. Uh, but um, well, this year it doesn't matter where you line up the number one guy that there's haven't really shown an ability to block those elite pass rushers. They they, they I, sometimes I'm wondering if they could block me, and that's a real problem. But no, I mean, you know, the the thing is, is that uh, there. I just want to see what the core is going to be. I want to see uh, get a better picture of who is going to be playing in what spot. So that way, at least we go. It's one of the it's one of the big three, right, guys? It's we, we got three areas that are really bad: uh, ta- uh, the the line, um, the D backs, and the receivers. Right? That, that's the three big glaring issues. If we could at least address one, and I think that one has the most hope of being somewhat addressed. I think so. I mean, it would be really nice to go into next year feeling good about the offensive line, or even not feeling bad. Like, I, we don't even need to feel good. Let's be realistic <laughs> here, right? But, like, not feeling horrible about it would be nice. I mean, and, you know. We, we, our standards. It, it's, it's, it's second and fifth round picks at yeah. offensive tackle yeah. and out. Yeah. Exactly. We didn't just go try and fill it with the seventh rounders. So oh, man. Did, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Our, our Arlington Hamchuck. <laughs> yeah, is he still on the roster? Wait, know. what was the other one? Latavius Simmons. Hey, he got reps this year, man, and he looked horrible, but he was out there at least. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like one of those areas where the interior of the line, you kind of have an idea of what that's going to look like, at least on paper. The tackles are the big question marks, right? I mean, we've seen Larry Borum out there for a couple of games. So far, he's looked really good. You want to see him sustain that for the rest of the year so that you can actually feel comfortable that he can be counted on for a full season. And then the, the, the other tackles, the big question mark, right? And if it's Jenkins, that's great. And you hope to see him out there this year. And uh, so, so you can have some idea that, you know, he's whether or not he's going to be reliable or not going into next year. Um, but like we said, I mean, health is the most important thing, right? So worst case scenario would be him going out there and getting hurt again. Uh, so if you think that there's a chance of that happening with this back injury, I, I hope the Bears do the smart thing and let him rest for the remainder of the season. But it's the Bears, so they're probably going to screw it up one way or the <laughs> other, right? I, mean, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in them doing the right thing uh, when it comes to really anything, but let alone evaluating the young offensive line. Well, one, one thing, um, you know, is w- when it comes to the line is, the the player that I'm most confused about is Alex Bars. He he seems to have the eye of the coaching staff. He seems to play pretty well when he gets in there. He's obviously very versatile, but he doesn't play that much. I I don't understand what his what his position is. Yeah, I mean he he was undrafted, right? I mean he's been on the roster long enough that I actually. Think- um, he was one of Harry Highstand's guys. It's him and Mustafa, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he was a, another Notre Dame guy. Yeah. Yep. So he kind of came in for that. Yeah, I mean, and we've I seen... think he was a four-year starter under Highstand. Yeah, and he would have been drafted if he didn't get hurt, right? Isn't that kind of the way the story goes on him? Yeah. But I mean, he's been here long enough that I think if he was going to be 
uh, starter level player for a long period of time. I think we kind of know it by now. But <laughs> that's okay. So this is a good one for Chris to chime in on. But would we? Uh, so you know, go go on Nagy. T- say us, tell us from Arizona what Nagy is all about. Does does he get better with distance? (laughs) Where do I start? I was asking you like what the topic was, and I was just wondering if it was like a George Carlin bit where he's like, "I just got free flow and hostility." (laughs) That's pretty close. No, you know, it's kind it's kind of funny. It's just the whole who do you blame on on some of these things too, where it's okay. Nagy. Okay, I don't like the running back I have with Jordan Howard. Okay, we'll trade up. We'll get it. That seemed to work out well. Was there okay, a Jordan Howard signing this last weekend? Pardon? Probably. Okay. Oh, Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, He's playing. No, yeah, no. yeah, he is actually playing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Philadelphia's like, I mean, you might start for Philadelphia next week, depending on, <laughs> on the way things are going there. Uh, you know, I want, I want a different tight end than the one that I made you get. Okay. Here's Jimmy Graham. <laughs> and we're going to outbid. <laughs> we're gonna outbid ourselves for him, and then we're gonna draft, you know, draft it. Then it's like I want a speed receiver. Okay, here's you know the Marquise Goodwin and the oh my God. And all these type of things. So it's like some of it's like, do you? Is it really like maybe he doesn't know what he wants, or Pace just doesn't know how to <laughs> how to complete that shopping list? It, my wife tells a story about a kid growing up big basketball fan Minnesota said mom I want a Timberwolves shirt so the mom buys like one of those you know prints of, of a nature scene like a Bob Ross <laughs> you know, shirt, and makes him wear it too you know he's in high school so he looks like the IT guy you have at, at your work kind of like side eye so yeah it's it's an interesting point and it's kind of one of those things where it's like okay is it pace the problem is naggy the problem is it both i tend to think it's both i mean I the, the, the roster is clearly poorly constructed i mean we've gone over that week and week again on this podcast right and then you know okay naggy's got inferior talent in some places compared to his opponent but you look at games like tampa bay or cleveland where the Bears are just completely outclassed, and it just doesn't look like they've spent any time trying to put together any sort of counterpunch to what their opponent is doing. And to me, that's an indictment on the coaching staff, as well as the overall talent on the roster. I mean, every week in the yeah. NFL, we see bad teams going against good teams and putting up a fight. That never seems to really happen with the Bears. It seems like <laughs> it seems like the Bears win games that they absolutely should win. <laughs> If it's close, they're going to lose, and if it's lopsided in the other direction, they're going to get blown out. Yeah, right? if it's a oh, good yeah. team, you're going to get absolutely crushed. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Nagy's record against the spread, which should conceptually be around 50-50, like he's brutal against the spread. I mean, <laughs> it's it's almost like you look at the talent on the roster, that's how the books set the line for the game, and then the Bears lose a couple additional points that aren't reflected in the line just because of incompetence on the coaching staff. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a bad situation where you cannot figure out who's the most at fault for a train wreck uh, season like this one is, you know, shaping out to be, at least from a record standpoint. But I, I don't think anybody's blameless, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's like, and you talked about it, sometimes just the protections that we run, you know, against, oh, you're facing all these elite pass rushers. Right. 
I'm going to bring Demir Bird in to chip, you know, T.J. <laughs> Watt, something like that. It's, it's, come on. You know, you got Latavius Simmons in there against, because what, he started against Tampa Bay, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like every single it's like every single outside linebacker defensive end in the league is like waiting to feast upon the Bears. Yeah, it's like you've got eight tight ends, right? Here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> Instead of using one of our eight tight ends, we're gonna have our tackle blocking this elite pass rusher one on one. I think it'll go. Whatever happened high. to Brandon Menelhalamalula? Well, and they signed Jesse James, right? Who's like blocking tight end, like that's what he's good at. And they don't use him that way. They use him as a pass catching tight end. So it's just weird. It's weird, man. It's a it's a sorry state of affairs when you start looking at anything other than Justin Fields yeah. right well, now. That's the thing. Even Jimmy Graham was blocking well, you know, I mean, for him especially, but I mean, truthfully, <laughs> he was. Like, one game we actually had him blocking well, and it's like, eh, we're just going to use wide receivers to like, did, yeah. did you guys see the clip oh, no, of George Kittle blocking Von Miller? No. Oh, yeah, on Monday Night Football last night, Kittle just takes Miller, uh, Miller and just drives him back and just pancakes him. I'm like, when are we going to see that what? from a Bears tight end? <laughs> like, oh, my God. It was awesome. The Bears could have drafted him, by the way. They drafted yeah. Adam Shaheen instead. But, oh, yeah. Sorry, oh, yeah. Tom. I think you were going to say something. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so... Uh, one of the things I, I'm just going to briefly touch on is just I have seen uh, a little bit of buzz about how maybe um, Nagy leaves or Nagy gets fired and, and Pace retains his job. And, you know, uh, this is something that we have talked about. Uh, I do think that is a real possibility because it kind of saved himself a little bit by drafting fields. But the thing is, is that. Uh, all the things that we've been discussing are all places where there has been a serious dearth of talent and positions, not just that, but the position has literally been ignored. How long was tackle ignored? Uh, pretty much his entire uh, regime, it's been ignored. He went and got Bobby Massey and he decided to you know, crown Leno and then that was like it. You know, he, he, he. All you have to do is go look at the transactions, and you're like, uh, you know, there there was nothing there. So that's the kind of stuff that that we're that we're still moving past. That is that is now really coming to bite us in the ass. Um, so that's what I was saying. I hope with uh, with the way it is. Um, we're able to develop some kind of core out of the offensive line. So that's just one less thing that we have to attack. Now, I did have something I wanted to ask Chris about. Chris, um, you've been watching some Cardinals football, right? Yeah, as much as I, I can, you know, uh, when they're not uh, competing and all that. But yeah, yeah so so what do you, how do you, because um, I haven't been watching a lot of Cardinals football. I have been, you know, seeing the highlights, of course. But what do you think about comparing Fields with Murray? I mean, I think they're, you know, I- incredibly athletic quarterbacks. Um, you know, different different games. I, I think Fields, while he's athletic, was more of a traditional pocket passer. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, as his pedigree whereas um you know murray was probably a little more of the jalen hurts lamar jackson type of 
uh, you know, quarterback coming out of yeah. college. But uh, I think <laughs> the biggest thing, and this is where I really want to maybe get into it, is watching Cardinals football, one of the things is, okay, you get Kyler Murray, and you know, you got Larry Fitzgerald, which already puts him ahead of the developmental curve of every quarterback we've drafted. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, or tried to make a franchise savior going back to you know Cutler and Grossman, all that type of stuff. So you already have that. Then you draft a Christian Kirk. Then you realize, hey, Texans, they are chumps. Let's we don't we don't we don't, we don't want <laughs> David Johnson anymore. Let's get one of the best you know, wide receivers in Calgary. That was insane. For, for peanuts. And then, what do you do after that? You still draft um, a uh, Rondale Moore. Yeah, that was a good pick. Say, okay, let's 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 pick up let's pick up AJ Green too. You know, we're not deep enough. <laughs> you know, Hopkins and Kirk is ready enough for like any Bears fan to just start celebrating and it's like yeah we'll get AJ Green we'll add Rondale Moore and oh our guy went out yeah let's trade a fourth round pick for Zach Ertz because he's needed you know it's it's you know they've thrown a lot of picks out recently and money and all that too and obviously having a quarterback on a controlled salary like Murray is puts them in an advantage, but they're also making the right moves. You know, they, yeah. they're not they're not saying, okay, our quarterback's on a controlled salary. Let's let's give up a fourth round pick when we don't have that many picks for the right to give <laughs> Nick Foles fourteen million dollars a year. Myler's, uh, um, Kyler Murray's in his third season, right? Yes. All right. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it seems, that, seems like a pretty. Sorry, sorry, Chris. Oh, no, no, if anybody hears that and he's in his fourth season, I'm really screwed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it won't be the first or the last dumb thing said on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's an amazing concept, right, what you're describing. It's you draft a quarterback and then you invest resources into the offense around him, right? I mean, obviously the Bears drafted their quarterback last year. We're going to see what the plan is to surround him with talent, but... So far, there's not much uh, here to really be excited about. I mean, we've talked about Darnell Mooney a bunch. He's a nice player, but he's not anything that is going to strike fear into opposing defensive coordinators, right? So, you know, hopefully step one's in place here, and then we've got to figure out how to, you know, do exactly what you're talking about, which is to surround him with talent. Uh, The problem is the Bears' salary cap's not in great shape, but, you know, hey, we'll see what happens. And, yeah, Tom, to your point, I mean, if Ryan Pace is sticking around, I don't necessarily trust him to do it, but we'll see. Yeah, well, um, you know, uh, while you guys were talking, it it made me remember suddenly that you know uh, they the Cardinals picked a quarterback first two years in a row. Yeah, you know the um, uh, Rosen, who? Josh Rosen. Yeah, Josh Rosen. Wow, what a bust that guy is. Is is he in the league? He's like the Falcons backup, I think, or something like that. I think that. he's a Falcons now. He was on the 49ers for a bit, and then he was with uh, the Dolphins. I think they traded him for a fifth-round pick before the Dolphins grabbed uh, Tua. Oh. Yeah, that's right. That sounds right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, I do remember he, that. It's funny, though, because he, he really was kind of the opposite. Like, he didn't really have a lot of the same weapons outside of Fitzgerald. You know, that they yeah. kind of invested, you know, after that. You know, I mean, 
the only real investment they made for him was that they just got rid of Bobby Massey because their offensive line sucks. <laughs> that is addition <laughs> by subtraction. Like, hey, did I get in on that? Yeah, but um, that that kind of uh, uh, bold move is is really something when you look at uh, who we have in charge because Pace to me has really shown an affinity for sticking with the guy no matter what and um, dragging it out to the point where literally fans seem they're close to riot stage before before they'll move on, right? I, I just and he's done that uh, multiple times. <laughs> I mean, I think that um, it, it. I don't know whether this season is a new, more seasoned uh, Ryan Pace, maybe. Um, we're seeing a turn of the corner. I hope so. I mean, this is year seven, right? No. But sometimes, don't you think uh, that him being so married to a player, so firm is that you know he's either up against the cap, has no money, has spent draft picks to get him, and because of he spent all those draft picks to get these players. He doesn't have anybody else in the pipeline. It's it's kind of like you know we t- we talk about the pace zone, you yeah. know, which is kind of around four five four six, you know where yeah I think he does a great job that he gets. Uh, I think he he kind of always historically has gone against his first round instincts, uh, you know, and and gone for high floor, you know, and production players regardless of the level of competition in that area, and I think that's been part of why those guys have been successful but i think also some of it is like who else are they gonna put in there you yeah know? that's it's true like, you know it's like, we can say kindle the door you know first of his name warden of the door hey he's not bad as as a as a number two cornerback I, well at least was until a couple weeks ago but it's like he should be a nickel at most yeah you know, that yeah if you hadn't traded um you know, if you hadn't traded the pick for Cutler and you kept Buda Baker, not Cutler, uh, Trubisky. For Trubisky, and, yeah. You know, we, and then, you know, we, we traded the pick to the Cardinals for Buda Baker to you know, recoup some picks. Well, Buda Baker would have fit perfectly <laughs> at Eddie yeah. Jackson. You know, then you're not spending money on um, the Gibson that's horrible. <laughs> not the Gibson that's the, the second year. <laughs> Line, yeah, linebacker. yeah, exactly. Because yeah, Travis Travis Gibson is actually looking yeah. decent for uh, being in in his second season. But um, going back to what you were saying, Jim, um, you know, obviously, it, and and when I'm bringing up pace this time, I'm not bringing him up from the the bitching standpoint. I'm just saying this is what we've. Chris was just alluding to this. This is what we've got right now. Uh, I mean. Do you think that it that we do keep him around? And it, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to me to do that. I, I think Ryan Pace has had his chance. He's been here a lot longer than most general managers get. He's had one season where the Bears have finished above 500, and that was the year they lost to the Eagles in the playoffs. So to me, that's enough of a track record to 
to you know definitively say that Ryan Pace is not really that good at this. Um, unfortunately, with the Bears, they don't really seem to operate in those terms. <laughs> I, I don't really know how Pace and Nagy are uh, being evaluated. Like I would have fired them both after last year, um, but the Bears, you know, let them hang around, and you know, you can say you know whether or not that's been good so far. We've got Justin Fields, but. There's a lot of other questionable moves that happened last off season, and you know we'll see how that bears out in the future. But I mean, to me, Pace has had his chance. I'd like to move on from him. I don't think it's going to happen. What I've seen floated, I, know, I think Brad Biggs had an article about this, and maybe a couple others too, is that potentially you move Ryan Pace up in the front office and give him kind of the head of yeah. football operations job and let him hire a general manager. That makes absolutely no sense to me. But, no. Um, it's like, hey, you've been ha- horrible at your job for seven years. Here's a promotion. Right? Like, I, I, I don't know. That's the thing to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any logic in that, but I guess maybe if that does happen, then maybe Ryan Pace is better at hiring executives than he is at drafting players or <laughs> signing free agents. But, man, it's a weird situation for sure. And Well, I'm still of the opinion that they just – they just tear the whole thing down. And yes, I am in complete agreement. If uh, uh, they, they, Pace should have already been fired. He should have been fired just for Trubisky by its, by himself. Um, to me, when he made that pick, um, I was one of the Bears fans that was actually not freaking out when they made the Trubisky pick, even though I didn't want that pick. But I thought, you know what? This is a ballsy move by Pace because he's staking his reputation on this kid, right? And especially the way it went down where he traded up to get him, right? I thought, okay, these two are connected. One succeeds, the other succeeds. One busts, the other one busts too. But they actually gave him the the resources to go out and do it again. Now, I mean, obviously, we're all liking the result there. But I think that he's uh, he, he's used all of his rope uh, completely, and um, yeah, it's time to move on. Well, yeah, it, it, it's funny. So you know, you, you bring that up, and it was it was funny because that draft I actually was traveling, so I missed the draft. But I woke up at three in the morning in a hotel in Stuttgart, checked my phone. And could not get back to sleep because not only did we grab Trubisky, we traded up to get him. Oh man! But but okay. So this is this, and this sounds weird because this just popped into my head, and I I can't even believe I'm saying it. But just devil's advocate for pace, let's say. Um, you know, he he was a first time GM. We think he nailed the quarterback. He actually grabbed. Offensive linemen around him. And theoretically, even though it's mind-boggling what happened, keeping Allen Robinson at least for a year for, you know, Fields' first year makes sense. You know, I mean, is this guy just kind of cursed that he's got the right idea sometimes, too? You know, I know, I mean, I know I said sometimes he just mixes up the shopping list, but is he just like a victim of bad luck sometimes, too? Uh, Pace or Robinson? No, Pace. I mean, just that it's like, I mean, did anybody expect Allen Robinson to be, what, the 120th 
ranked wide receiver, and I don't even know if that, that's just. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I think that we've talked about it. I, I, I believe that Allen Robinson is probably the best free agent acquisition that Pace has made. In fact, he's one of the right. best player acquisitions that he made. But he burned himself on it. I don't. Un- I still don't understand that move. Um, okay, so he couldn't have given him an extension two years ago, and, and right, not right. Have the drama, and then you've got Robinson doing what Mooney did, and actually developing rapport with <laughs> the franchise quarterback, who would be the best quarterback this guy's ever had in his career. Yeah, and he should be saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm excited to go there." They, you know. I'm excited to stay. I'm excited to have someone like Justin Fields. I mean, Andy Dalton would have been the best quarterback. You know, Robinson. Last year. Yeah. 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 And I, I get your, I, I, I see your argument because a lot of times when I believe the argument, I'm just, (laughs) well, no, but like a lot of times when like the bears have a bad year, the, the natural reaction is like fire everybody. Right. And sometimes when you just clean house over and over again, like, you can become the Cleveland Browns too, right? Where you're changing yes. regimes every right. two years. And that's not going to get you anywhere in the NFL either. So I see the point, right? Like Pace has been here a long time. He has made his fair share of mistakes, but you could kind of look at last year as like a reset. And basically the argument there would be we were better off allowing Pace to have another bite at the apple as opposed to clearing him out and then starting from scratch all over again. I mean, I I can maybe get on board with that, but I mean, even last year, you see that the same mistakes are being made. I mean, Tevin Jenkins, right? I mean, I've I've heard plenty of reports that there's NFL teams that had him completely off their draft board because of his injury status, right? I mean, so we've talked about how that's like the first time you've drafted a tackle it, uh, that highly in the draft and you're going to do it on a guy that has questionable health uh yeah a, a questionable health designation and that you're slotting in to be your starting left tackle when he played right tackle <laughs> in college <laughs> so like that pick just didn't really make a lot of sense and to me that's you know the thing that has always frustrated me with pace whether it's trubisky or shaheen or you can name any other number of players. Is it's Anthony see, Miller? Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of mistakes where he's just trying to show how clever he is, right? right. Yes. And like instead that's... of instead of doing the obvious thing that's staring you right in the face, it's like no, no, no. I know better than everybody else. This is my guy, and you know that's just a really, really, really frustrating way to miss on draft picks when you're trying to be creative as opposed to doing something that everybody else could look at and see where the logic was. And like the fact that those mistakes are still being made by Ryan Pace and you're still seeing him sign bad free agents to contracts where you're negotiating against yourself like Jimmy Graham. I mean, to me, there's, there's enough of an argument to move on. Right. I mean, I understand if they're not going to do it, especially if you just drafted the quarterback, but man, you, you better get it right this time because I would hate to waste three or four years of Justin Fields because we're screwing around making the same mistakes that Ryan Pace has been making for the last five years or so. Yeah, and let's not forget that Trey Burton actually was a a dead cap hit this year. Oh, he's still on the cap. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, so uh, one thing. Okay, so I'm going to shift gears for us guys. So one of the things that I thought would be interesting to talk about is is how – 
what our perception is of how uh, Fields is doing uh, versus the rest of uh, versus the rest of the class. And um, I got to say, I think uh, right now the pundits before. Uh, before the draft, we're talking, many were very outspoken about Fields, saying there's a real opportunity, there's a real chance, there's a real potential that Fields is actually better than any of the guys. He was actually number one, uh, the top rank. I, I, I absolutely believe, though, if you're the Jaguars, there's no way that you could not draft Trevor Lawrence. I just... I, I just absolutely believe that they were kind of forced into that, but I, I think that I think that Fields is kind of showing that. Now, I was a Mac Jones uh, fan before the season. Um, I thought he could surprise, but I think he part of what his success is is that he went to a really good uh, a really good space for him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the five quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round, yeah. I mean, he has by far and away the softest landing spot, right? I mean, Trey Lance is, you know, in a good situation with Kyle Shanahan as his coach, but he was he has such a wider gap to close compared to Jones. I mean, Jones is a starting quarterback at Alabama, right? I mean, that's about as professional as you can get. Yep. Trey Lance is playing in Division Two, right? So he's got a long way to go to get up to speed. And, that, and Jones played in a pretty pro-style offense when uh, with that version of Alabama. With, like, the best wide receiver core in college football <laughs> An insane I mean, I mean, receiver core. Your wide receivers are worse. <laughs> yeah. On the whole... Yeah, ex- exactly. And then, like, you look at the other three, so Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Fields, right? It's like, well, Jaguars, incompetent franchise. <laughs> Jets, incompetent franchise. Bears, incompetent franchise, right? So Jones clearly had the best situation and was probably coming from the most pro-style offense, other than, you know, you could probably argue that Ohio State was on that level in terms of just the offense they were running right. But, I mean, Jones has looked good. And then, but after that, I mean, I, I think Fields is easily the second best. Well, and along so those far. lines, too, so is um, Fields, when he was playing for Ohio State, had a really good receiving core, a good running back. His offensive line was the size of mountains. So, I mean... Uh, they had some. He had some serious advantages yeah. there that uh, he definitely does not have in Chicago. But um, well, go ahead. Remember too, like the biggest thing coming about Fields was that yeah, the, supposedly the drop. You know, and you never know exactly why everyone drops because everyone's war room is you know different. But it was oh he doesn't he doesn't make the progressions and he's like yeah because. Most of the time, my first progression's open. I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, why go to the third just to impress, you know, Mike Mayock or something? Yeah, I did hear that quote. That was funny. Where, yeah, I mean, like a lot of times these guys in college, they're you know on on these teams with so much talent that you can just you know beat the other team without really having to run that complex of a scheme. It's just a, a matchup game at that point. It's like, hey, it's a wide receiver that's going to play in the NFL going up against a cornerback from Rutgers, right? Like, <laughs> you know, that that's easy enough. So, you know, it, that's why it, it's always a gamble. And that's why, you know, 75% of quarterbacks that are taken in the first round don't end up panning up, out, right? So, 
you know, so far, I mean, all of them have seemed to have their ups and their downs, but I mean, I'm as encouraged by what I've seen out of Justin Fields as any of the other four. Uh, I absolutely, I, um, right now, uh, he's number two on, on my board. And that's only because, uh, you know, as we were just saying, Mac Jones has, uh, a, a much better uh, situation around him. But as far as, uh, pure talent, as far as his, um, uh, his ingenuity, uh, his vision of the field. I, I don't think that he has a peer right now. I, I think he's uh, playing with guys that are in the, uh, in their second season. You know, I, I, I think that he is truly shocking uh, the NFL uh, right now with his level of play. And um, for once uh, the, the, the pundits, aren't talking about how crappy the Bears quarterback is or uh, about how grumpy he is. I mean, they're talking about, wow, this kid is really uh, shiny. And, like, the thing that I'm excited to see in the second half of the year is I know the schedule's really tough, but it's not tough because you're going to be playing great defenses, right? Like, Pittsburgh, I think, is probably the best defense that you're going to see for the rest of the way. I mean, the Ravens this week are a good team, right? But they just gave up 31 points to the Vikings and then got beat by the Dolphins. So it's not like they're shutting teams down. They just score a lot of points. And then you got Detroit, awful defense. Yeah. They still have the name, the, the the myth of what the Ravens have been. Not not that they're bad, but it's like you know you you think about the Ravens since they became a franchise, and you think, oh yeah, it's it's a good defense. You kind of yeah. just, oh yeah, it, it is. Yeah, just sidetrack. But you know who's still playing on the Ravens? Ryan Pace's first big free agent signing, Pernell McPhee, <laughs> is still on the Ravens. Nice. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sweet this, pee. Yeah, this 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 week's going to be fun, man. I mean, I, I think you're going to see a lot of points in this game. I think Lamar is going to carve the Bears up. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens score 40 points in this game. Oh, yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears put up some points against the Ravens, too. I mean, you know, the Ravens have had uh, a longer week because they're coming off Thursday Night Football. But, I mean, I think that this is a really good matchup for both quarterbacks. So it's going to be a fun game to watch, if nothing else. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, I, you know, uh, it's like you said, uh, the, the Ravens' D is not what it once was. Uh, they do have the ability, though, to score at any time. Uh, watching, the, watching the two quarterbacks uh, face off against each other, uh, they do have similar skill sets, but I certainly believe that... Uh, Fields is a superior passer, uh, and you know, um, watching uh, uh, watching how dare I say Nagy adjusts <laughs> is, that, is that a real thing? I don't know. Oh, Nagy! <laughs> I don't think we've seen it. <laughs> well, we get it for one game when he runs the ball more. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> a theme with Nagy. I think I said this last week too. But the more time you give him to prep for a game, the worse it generally is. <laughs> I mean, he's. I wanted to frame that comment. That was one of the the most beautiful ones. But you know, you, you do hope that you know Nagy, Laser, or you know whoever is is there in Hallis Hall who, who stays at least, you know, takes a couple notes about uh, what 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 they're doing with Lamar, and uh, you know, some of that might look good for Fields. Uh, we're tailoring it around him. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, completely 
changed the construction of that yeah. offense to fit Lamar Jackson's uh, skill set. I mean, that's what good coaches what an do. Insane yeah. idea. Yeah, that's what good coaches yeah. do in the NFL. I was listening to an interview, and whoever it is is escaping me, but they were talking about Bill Belichick, and they basically said that all coaches try to emulate certain traits from Belichick, but what coaches can never seem to figure out is the thing that made has made Belichick so great is his ability to adapt year over year. Yes. Like, I, they were talking about a year where, for whatever reason, the NFL was moving away from 3-4 defenses, and so there was a lot of really good players that fit in 3-4 defenses for cheap on the free agent market, <laughs> and Belichick's signed them all and they ran a 3-4 that year and they had a top defense in the league. I mean, Yeah, they were all a bunch of like medium good guys yeah. too. They were all a bunch of like free agent signings and and stuff like that. I remember it was on it was on one of the the night games that they had a graphic of where this defense that is so highly ranked where the players came from. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I think there was like two that were actually, you know, first or second round draft picks on the defense. The rest was all you know, yeah, and that's what you're paid to do as a coach. You're not paid to be running your scheme no matter what the talent that you have on your roster is, right? Like, nobody cares about your scheme. Yeah. You're, you're getting paid to win games. You're not getting paid to show how brilliant of a play caller you are when you're the head coach. If you're the offensive coordinator, fine. If that's what you want to do, if you're successful with it, that's your job is to score as many points as possible. But when you're the head coach... It's your job to recognize what your strengths and weaknesses are. And with Nagy, we've talked about it for four years. That adjustment never seems to happen. And it's interesting because I was looking back, and the Bears are 0-3 under Nagy coming off a bye, which is hilarious. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like, how do do you evaluate that? Because we're talking about Mitch Trubisky there, and we know Mitch Trubisky is susceptible to information overload. Like, I don't think you're, I don't think you're going to have that problem with Justin yeah. Fields, right? Like, Fields is a lot smarter. So maybe some of that extra prep work will actually, you know, show up on the field on Sunday. You certainly hope so. But yeah, that that I offer mean, off the bye goes back to Trustman. Uh, <laughs> I just read that the other day. I was like, what? Was it new? Was gets a chance to read pages three on of the playbook. <laughs> was it's like, all right, Mitch, here are your coloring books this week. <laughs> well, um, so uh, one of the things that um, I think that Fields really demonstrated last uh, last game was uh, the grit and drive and motivation that you need at the end of the game. Uh, he kept, I mean, he was taking physical abuse, he was taking uh, mental abuse uh, all the way through the game, and he didn't let it frazzle him. He kept steady, and when he came out and just drove right down, <laughs> as you were joking last uh, as you were joking last week, maybe we scored too quickly. You know, uh, you know it, it, when he did that, you know, we just saw, we saw victory, right? And then watched our defense uh, snatch, uh, uh, you know, loss from, uh, defeat from the from the jaws of victory. But, you know, that being, the end of the game being aside, we watched our quarterback come out and take control and, and lead us. Against an awesome defense on the road. Yes, it's, 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 I think the biggest thing is that we all as fans 
and I'm going to say rightly so because I, I seriously, I, I can't even tell you the emotions that I had. I, I felt like I watched pro wrestling with some of the calls with uh, <laughs> the, the refs. That it's like, but it's like, it's okay. We can, as fans, we can sit there and say, oh, the refs, whatever. That's the one thing that kind of gave me that hope, that spark or whatever, is that Fields was saying, eh, I'm not going to blame it. It's just another. It's another thing. It's, right. it's whether I'm down on the scoreboard, whether the ref doesn't, you know, lets me get decapitated. Whatever he, he said <laughs> it afterwards, I, and I applaud him for that. I thought that took a lot of courage, and and I like the fact that he's willing to say that. But it's going okay. Yeah, there's going to be adversity that I'm going to overcome it. That that's that moxie that we just haven't had for you know. I mean. McMahon really had kind of that moxie of, of that. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and um, uh, that, that that's actually a good point, um, Chris, because, you know, McMahon, uh, when when you do look at his numbers and you look at the team he was on, uh, his numbers, yeah, they're, they're very mediocre. But, yeah. man, when he was out there on the field, everybody knew who was running it. So that that was a good piece. Okay, so we're getting uh, we're getting towards the end of the show. I thought um, one thing that would be uh, interesting to talk about is so what would you, Jim? What would you like to see as far as uh, a focus down the rest of the season? Um, what position do you think that we might be able to develop that uh, you know we're just we're struggling a bit with, or maybe a, a particular player? I want to see Fields. Uh, I, I want to see the offense continue to allow Justin Fields to make more plays. Um, that's probably my biggest thing. Is I want to see you know him take more shots down the field. I want to yes. see them get him out of the pocket and get him in space and let him you know kind of take the the kid gloves off of this offense a little yes. bit. Like I think it's time, man. Like. You don't need to continue to run these conservative routes and, you know, run the ball and here's a three-yard pass on third and eight, right? Like, let let him open it up. I mean, we've talked about the record. We know the schedule. We know the Bears are very, very unlikely to make the playoffs, right? So right. let's see what the kids got over these last eight games and let him take chances, let him make mistakes, let him learn. Let's see what he's got, and I think we're going to be happy with the results honestly like there's going to be some bad plays too but i'm ready for him to start you know being allowed to take that next step and really take command of this offense beyond that i think offensive tackles the other area of focus like is larry borum gonna be a starter going into next year can we get tevin jenkins out there i mean those are the two things that come to mind. I mean, really nothing on the defense that I need to see at this point. I mean, that's a complete train wreck. <laughs> you're you're going to have to – did you see the injury report for this today, by the way? Uh, Jackson, Hicks, Mack all didn't practice today. So oh, great. So, so I don't know what the Bears were doing on their bye week in terms of health, but um, I, I think I'm going to be focused on the offense for the last eight games. I don't know. What about you guys? Go ahead, Chris. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, everything you said is exactly what I would have. I, I would say maybe as a as secondary thing, just to see, um, you know, it seems like Fields has some chemistry with Jesse James, Jesper Horstead. Yeah, I know it sounds weird, but it's like, 
seems to have a knack for making certain plays. Why not get those guys involved a little bit more at tight end? Because obviously, you know, we throw once a game to Timmy Graham, maybe twice, you yeah. know, and I mean, he's essentially gone, even though he, he's what, uh, I, I just read this today. Cause I was trying to figure out where's the money coming from next year to improve the team. You know, we're still spreading like $4.5 million of his cap hit and dead money yep. over over the next uh, four seasons. Yep. You know. And now, is, is, is that all going to get accelerated when the Bears cut him after this year? I think no, that's how it works. No, because that was, that was a restructure. So I oh. went on, I started looking at the time, because this was one of the things that I really had a free-flowing hostility topic. It was, where's <laughs> the money coming from? Because it's like, you know, and it's not saying I want to necessarily cut some of these guys, but, you know, Khalil Mack is $24 million in debt. Oh, I want to cut him. Next year. <laughs> Quinn is $12 million. Eddie Jackson is eighteen million. Foles, who oh the yeah, eight million. You know, I mean, we're still paying three million to to Charles Leno <laughs> this year. <laughs> so it's like, okay, yeah, you know, he uh, deserves Robinson, it though. Robinson and Hicks are gone, or are probably gone next year. Yeah, you know, that's thirty million, but it's you know you're also going to have extensions for players coming and, and things like that, and you know you got a second, I think a third, two fifths, two fifths in the pace zone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, where where is that? You know that it, it, it's and, and it's like you said that I think I think Jim had alluded to this previously that the you know the cost controlled rookie quarterback is a great thing, but it's also for teams that have their financial stuff in order, and that's not us. And you know if we can maybe band aid it together, and that's just seeing exactly what we have with the line, you know what we have. With Fields well complement him, you know, one of these moderately priced tight ends fill that number two tight end role. That you know, I can't believe we've gone a whole thing without talking about uh, Cole Shaheen. Clement <laughs> <But laughs> has actually started to look. Yeah, he has. Decent. Yeah, and I I, I, I had a list of every guy that we should have drafted over. An hour goes <laughs> fast, right? doesn't it, man? Yeah. So um, I I will say that. Uh, Yes, um, tight end does look like it's developing a bit. Um, Komet has looked better. Uh, you know, the Jesse James could be a solid number two guy. Uh, so that would be nice. Uh, and, you know, we didn't really talk about uh, running back, but I think we're, Montgomery really came back strong in that last game. Um, I, I was a little bummed to see uh exactly what they said don't happen don't let herbert just suddenly go back to the bench which is exactly what is ex- exactly what happened right. we have to um uh hopefully we do see something out of the offensive line um because that would at least uh, that would at least take care of one area um, right now, I, I think uh, looking forward to the draft, um, they're they're probably going to have to look at corner, uh, just because the uh, the the secondary is so bad. But um, you know, they might also have to use that uh, whatever pick it is that we have um, on defensive end. Because that uh, that could be an issue as well next year, uh, depending on what happens with Mac and Quinn. Um, not to mention that those guys are both right. getting older. 
Yeah. Well, a defensive tackle, too. I mean, if Hicks is gone, and I mean, Eddie Goldman is sleepwalking through these games at this point, it seems like. I mean, that, that you know, the front seven's going to be an issue, and you don't have a lot of mm-hmm. resources with which to, you know, yeah. fill those Because you can always hope that uh, the front seven could kind of hide the, flaw, the flaws of the, the back four. Right, is, right. And is, that just... And that just hasn't happened this year. Yeah. <laughs> and I I wouldn't be super opposed if the Bears just kind of like did a, you know, kind of redshirt the rest of the year with Khalil Mack and just let him sit out. And same thing with Quinn. I mean, if the Bears aren't going to do anything, I mean, let's try to conserve that front seven going into next year because, you know, the, the fewer resources that you have to spend on the defense, the better, just with all the holes on the offense too. Like, man, I don't see a, a – great reason for Mac or Quinn or Hicks or any of these guys to be out there, you know, taking hits and risking injury over the last, you know, few games of this year. Right. I know the Bears probably aren't going to do that because that's just not what you do in the NFL, but right. I wouldn't really be that upset if there was kind of a wink-wink, nod-nod deal where, hey guys, shut it down and we'll see you in 2022. That's that. Right. That's actually a really interesting idea because then you could get a lot more work for some of the younger players. Yeah who we really need to perform. I mean, uh, we were talking about Travis Gibson. We actually do need him to develop, and he has shown a few highlights. Um, so, you know, that that's a that's a good point. Also, uh, getting Bilal Nichols to, to uh, develop even further. Yep. Uh, right now, uh, for the, uh, Bilal Nichols is outperforming Goldman, you know, so... We need to make sure and secure that guy. Um, uh, he needs to be a, a piece of that uh, of the new Bears team, uh, whatever that whatever that looks like. Uh, right. Final thoughts, Chris? Oh, final thoughts! You know, like I, you know, I, I was thinking this just because I, I started looking at all the uh, weapons. You know, running back, wide receiver, tight end, uh, lineman that we put around Cutler when we got him, Mitch when we got him, and um, I don't want to share that with anyone because that's just going to depress. <laughs> Damn, uh, you know, I mean, we, we literally, you know, it was like all the guys that started a wide receiver with Mitch, Josh Bellamy, Kendall Wright, Tanner Gentry, and Dontrell Hillman were all starting. In these <laughs> what about Marcus Wheaton? <laughs> oh, my God, Marcus Wheaton. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, so um, did they have like one catch for eight yards? My thought was just, you know, that we focus on seeing what we have for depth. And and honestly, (laughs) I am 100% down with just trading down this year uh, in the draft. We just need more depth, you know. And then 2023, we got our cap right. Then you can start making yeah. a splash move. Hopefully, the right type of player that fits. You know, uh, you know the missing piece or you know, couple pieces. Quantity. Hey, in a year and a half, mm-hmm. we're gonna be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Jim. Uh, Ravens. Bears. Uh, I think probably a loss. I'm thinking like thirty-seven to twenty-eight or something like that. High-scoring game, but I, I think this is going to be the week where the Bears actually put up some points. Chris? I'm going to say uh, 31-21. I'm 
gonna say it's probably a really close game at the half and then what happens when we play teams like this um that we've seen the the fourth quarter the defense is just gassed from some uh bad play calling but uh fields does lead some a uh, little bit of a comeback at, at the end all right i'm gonna go uh, with you guys uh yeah, the the you know probably the fourth quarter is um, where the defense is really seeming to run dry. Uh, that's what that's the difference right there. Probably a touchdown uh, in the Ravens' favor. Um, I am going to go out on a limb and say that Cairo Santos MVP is going to kick three field goals. All right, I like that. All right. Okay, so fans, uh, thanks very much for listening to us again. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And our special guest? Chris. And uh, make sure to uh, tune in next week. Thanks a lot.